Are you doing this work to facilitate growth or to become famous? Which is more important, getting or letting go? Kelly Butler is a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, but he also played in the NFL. Butler now works with indigenous children in Winnipeg. Playing for a purpose, works with young people, providing mentorship and creating opportunities. Kelly, as a black man and a former professional athlete, how are you feeling watching all of this unfold? Kelly got a stack, Kelly got a house, big house on the hill. Kelly so blessed, big plus XL. Kelly ain't, Kelly ain't got no chill. Kelly don't really give a fuck how you feel. Kelly ain't humble no more, nigga. Kelly got a foot on your throat, nigga. Kelly ain't humble no more, nigga. Kelly got a foot on your throat, nigga. Go, Kelly, go, 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 Kelly, go. What's going on? It's your host with the most. It's your boy KB, and it's the check-in. It is Super Bowl Sunday. How are we feeling? I'm a big fan of Kevin Hart, and he's always say, "Say it with your chest out." So, how you feeling on this Sunday? <laughs> yeah, you gotta feel that. And speaking of feeling, I got a feeling that you need to check out the website, www.foursistersclothing.com. If you haven't had a chance to check out our clothing, this family first brand, during these challenging times, we gotta support each other. It's Black History Month. Let's go out there and support ours as we supported yours. Let's come together on this Super Bowl Sunday. Family first. And remember, www.foursistersclothing. Check us out. It is about family, and the Super Bowl is a part of an extended family that I was a part of, the NFL. And I think it's important to be able to look at two sides of every story. So part of the podcast today on the check-in, I'm going to tell you some Super Bowl stories from when I never played in the games, but I was able to participate in some of the activities. So I had an opportunity to go to three different Super Bowls. I'm going to talk about that in great depth. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the second part of the podcast, I want to talk about success and starting over. When you start over and you look at Tom Brady's success that he has at the Patriots, then you look at the success that he's having with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you look at when he started at Michigan, he's had to start over in three different opportunities, three different organizations, three different institutions, and he's been able to find a way to still be successful. So the key is looking at Tom Brady's success and starting over, but also being able to have some fun and tell some stories about not being good enough to play in the game, but definitely being good enough to enjoy watching the game. So first and foremost, one of the first stories that I look at is 2000, it had to be 2005, 2006, Super Bowl in Detroit. So at that time, I started that year. Detroit Lions, Kelly Butler, Charles Rogers, the city of Detroit. And I was very, very, very impressed with being able to have the Super Bowl hosted. That was when Pittsburgh played against uh, the Seattle Superhawks, Superhawks, excuse me, Seahawks. I look at that moment saying that that was almost like 20 years ago. So when you look at what you are now at 38 years old and seeing a game and saying there's somebody that's older than I am still playing at a high platform and still performing and it's going to be an amazing experience. But in the beginning of all this, I was watching in my hometown starting for the Detroit Lions, the Super Bowl. I'm like, I'm gonna take out all my friends from back in college. So everybody came back. Stuart Schwager was there, Aiken Adel was there. I'm not sure if Sean Phillips was there. Uh, I know that Nico was there because he was playing in the Super Bowl. It was one of the coolest things to see one of my friends be in the game. 
And that was like our first or second year in the league. So we were all just starting. And it seemed special because I was like, hey, these environments, these activities, and my boy, my friends, we were all at my condo, we were spending there, and my brother was there. So story number one is the night that Corey said, Corey Butler's my little brother, big shout out to Corey. He was like, if you can meet anybody, who would it be? So I was like, anybody, Corey? He was like, Jessica Alba. So when he said Jessica Alba, I was like, all right, cool. So that night, there was a bunch of different parties. I think there was a, a, it was the Maxim party. And it was downtown Detroit. And Detroit was lit up. They did a great job cleaning the city up. So I go into this old historic building in the heart of Detroit. And if you've seen Four Brothers, it was lit up. And this was the first time I'd ever done this kind of uh, Super Bowl thing, like being able to navigate and move around. So I'm new to this, but it's still Detroit. I'm playing there and I'm with Stu and we're having a good time. So we go to the Super Bowl party and the Maxim party. We get in somehow, we finesse and get some tickets. And I'm walking around there, I see Mike Tyson. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Mike right there. And when you're in these environments at these Super Bowl parties, you become just... It, it, it's such an aura of being able to interact because everybody's pretty cool and you see the most beautiful people and they're able to interact because it's just like a certain level of just class and chill. And I remember seeing Brian Erlacher there and I was like, Brian Erlacher is massive. He's like 6'5 and played linebacker. And at the time he was playing for Chicago. And I remember that Joey Harrington had thrown an interception. He threw a lot of those at the time. Joey Harrington was great at throwing interceptions. So Brian and I were like, I'm like, hey, what's up, B? How are you? He's like, what's going on, boy? He's like, man, you almost killed me, man. He was like, what you talking about? And we were laughing because I remember the play. Uh, Joey Harrington, Joey Harrington threw the interception. It was in Soldier Field. I'm running down to try and make a tackle. And like the last second I look out of my eye, I see uh Erlacher's like beeline and coming towards to knock me off. So I at least put my foot in to chip him off. I'm like, ah, you motherfucker. So I laughed it off. He was a really fun dude to hang out with. So back to the story of my brother saying, if he can meet anybody or get an autograph, my brother could get an autograph for, he said, Jessica Alba. So we're at the party hanging out and it's, it's a fun party. And there was many parties in Detroit. And I'll tell you three or four different stories in that, in that, that week experience. Um, and so we're just having a good time. And there she is. Jessica Alba, it's like at the end of the night, I'm getting ready to leave, go home. It's almost one, two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'm tired. I think I want to eat actually. So I'm walking out and there she is. And I'm like, wow. And for me, the first time to ever come up to a celebrity and make myself be a fan for somebody else, it's a very humbling moment. It's like my brother asked me to do one thing. And I was like, I'll try and do this. So I walk over to Jessica Alba. I'm like, hey, Jessica, how you doing? I don't know what it's called her Jessica. I was like, hey, what's going on? I, my, my, here was my, my elevator pitch. I'm like, hey, my name is KB. I play for Detroit Lions. My brother's a huge fan of yours. Would you give me uh, like a time or something so I can write something down and get your, your, your autograph? He, he, he loves you. And I'm a big fan. And wow, you are you're pretty sexy. And I, kinda, I think I said something like that. And it was funny and charismatic. And she was like, yeah, give me a sec. Do you have anything to write it on? I was like... So I tried to find a piece of paper and I wrote it down. And I was like, man, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to take the time to be able to just sit back and just be chill. And so big round of applause to Jessica Alba. (laughs) 
And that was Jessica Alba back in the day when she was just like on Honey and, and doing all these kind of dope things. She was the, and still is one of the most attractive people I've ever met because her personality kind of ma matched her, 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 her beauty and her energy. So it is elevated. And now she has a multi-billion dollar company with her baby line. And she's just cool. She's a cool mom. So I got a lot of respect for her back then and now. So the first story was getting the autograph. So I got the autograph, went back home, gave it to my brother, and he was pumped. He loved it. So story number one, Detroit Super Bowl. I was able to get an autograph from Jessica Alba and have a really good time. Story number two involves Stuart Swagger, myself, and I forget whoever his agent was. So we're still going through Detroit. And like when you have the Super Bowl, there's a bunch of different events that go on, a bunch of different parties night after night. So there's the, the Budweiser party and there's the Bud Light party and then there's the Playboy party. Then there's the Maxim party. Then there's the Sports Illustrated party. Then there's these different hotels that host uh, this mix and mingles. It's an amazing time. And if you're playing in the NFL back then, you had to have the NFL card. The NFL card was like the black card. If you showed your NFL card, Oh man, you get into anything. It, it was the coolest thing. If I, 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 I hope that I wish they would bring back the, the NFL card. It was cool. So now, second time, I'm with Stu and his agent. He's like, man, we got this private party uh, that we can go to that's on this island in Detroit. I'm like, I don't even know if there's an island in Detroit, but all right. So we drive way out in Detroit and come like over the bridge into this park and pull up to this big, like cool place. It was really, really cool. And in there, there's this private party and Snoop Dogg is there. And I think he was performing. And I was, and then at that time we had Sean Cody who played at USC. So we're in there hanging out with Sean Cody, Snoop Dogg, me and Stu and uh, Jamal Anderson was there. Uh, and Jamal Anderson is an asshole, by the way. Jamal Anderson is an asshole. And it's okay to say that because when you play football with people, it's like, it's, it, it's jokingly, but it's the truth because he is an asshole. And the reason I say this is because at the time, I think that Stuart Schwager was represented by his agent and they, they represented each other. And Jamal Anderson had retired at the time. So retired athletes always want to pop shit to, to new athletes. This is one of those kind of things, especially like retired running backs. And this is kind of where it becomes like a white and black thing and a loyalty thing. Cause I'm loyal to Stu. He's one of my best friends and he's a white guy that's really, really talented, but doesn't look like a football player. So whenever he goes out there, there's like, oh, he's the punter. I'm like, yo, that's one of the best football players at that time in college football at time. And he was starting for Oakland. He's, he's always been an elite player, but never really got the recognition because of his demeanor when he was off the field. But when he was on the field, he was that bang. So back to the story. So we're there at the party and there's Snoop's there, Sean Cody's there, and I'm there. My, my agent, his agent at the time, Stu's agent, and then Jamal Anderson, the Dirty Bird from Atlanta Falcons. So we're kind of having a mixture of a conversation and, and Jamal Anderson is, is a narcissist. He comes all kind of smug and he kind of talks down to Stu, but I'm kind of sitting back kind of drunk like, yo, Stu can hold his own, but if there's any problems, yo, we here. So Jamal Anderson has the audacity to say, oh man, if I, if you played when I played, I'd have like 2,000 yards or some sort of just awesome, just some rude ass comment like saying, because of your size, I wish the, the, the linebacker, the free safeties looked like you, I would have ran over you. And I'm like, hold on. 
Jamal Anderson, you're not better than LaDainian Thompson. You're not better than Larry Johnson. You're not better than a lot of people that Stu had to go out there and cover in, you know, the cover one defense for Oakland Raiders. And I'm not trying to go out there and be on Stu. I'm just saying that he's a very good player. And Jamal Anderson is a very average running back that can dance off beat. So then Stu kind of looks at him. I'm like, and Stu at this time is, you know, being Stu, we're having a good time. He's like, KB, handle this. And he walks up, I'm like, man, who in the fuck do you think you are with your dried up ass curl, man? I will fuck you up. And Jamal Harris, like, you was just a funny looking, bad body, weird face, you know, sponge pop square pants. He was just annoying because my cousin at the time, Marcus Matthews, same demeanor, same build, and they had the little curl. So I kind of cussed out Jamal Anderson and just went back home. So that's story number two for um, Kelly Butler and uh, the ability to have stories in, in, with the Super Bowl. So story one was meeting Jessica Alba. Great, great story. She is awesome, and I wish her the best of luck. Story number two, meeting Jamal Anderson, the retired Atlanta Falcon, the Dirty Bird. He's a dirty bird. He gets annoying, and I had to stick it for my boys, too. So big shout-out to Stuart Schwagert and the Purdue family. So that's two. That's the Detroit Super Bowls. Now let's segue in, but hold on a sec. Let's talk about my sisters and my family for a second. Come on, it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you got to feel that. And speaking of feeling, I got a feeling that you need to check out the website, www.4sistersclothing.com. If you haven't had a chance to check out our clothing, this family first brand, during these challenging times, we got to support each other. It's Black History Month. Let's go out there and support ours as we supported yours. Let's come together on this Super Bowl Sunday. Family first. And every time I tell a story, I'm going to press this button right here. All Americans, it's with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording. So every story I tell, these are true stories. I have nothing to gain by making them better or worse. They are completely true. So that's the Detroit stories. Now in Cleveland, um, that this year we're going to Miami. So I'm, I, I have now been released from the Detroit Lions on some bullshit because I've had that in previous podcasts that I've talked about that organization. And then because of waivers, I didn't clear waivers and I was able to go to Cleveland. So the next year in Cleveland, I go there and I start. I am balling in Cleveland. Cleveland, I love that city. You know, at that time, LeBron James was there and he was, I never ever hung out with LeBron James. He was very isolated and his crew was always at like XO. But at that time I was like, well, LeBron runs basketball, I run football. That was kind of how my thing it was for that year. And if you were around me, we was doing it in Cleveland. I was hanging out with Kid Rock. We were doing, we were at XO, just having a phenomenal time. And Nat Dorsey was there and Big Willie McGinnis, Romeo Cornell. That was a really, really good time in a really good city. We just had bad offensive coordinators with, with Rod Chinzinski and uh, Marshall from Houston. He was one of the worst offensive line coaches in of all of football. I don't know how he is a professional football coach, uh, offensive line coach. He was awful. But that's not the story. This year, I'm in Cleveland starting, but we play against Baltimore, and I break my foot. But I finish the game. So, big round of applause for anybody that's finished the game through an injury. Did you hear what I'm saying? I broke my foot like in the second quarter versus the Baltimore Ravens and played the whole game versus the scariest team at the time and some of the scariest men at the time in football, like Ray Lewis, Suggs, Hello Nazi, on one foot. So I'm not saying that I was the best football player. I'm just a tough guy. So now I'm tough and stupid. 
So I have, I, I, I think that was towards the end of the season. I think there was like three or four games left. I had to get my fifth metatarsal. I broke my fifth metatarsal and I had to get surgery. And then I was out of the league. I was, I was back home. And what they did back then is they sent you home and gave me a bunch of pills. I went home during like football, broken foot with hydrocodines, Vicodins, and was just by myself. It, I don't, it, I don't, it wasn't a good idea. So at that time, I went a little bit batshit crazy because there was nobody checking on me. My sister, I think, came after I came back from the Super Bowl. So I'm going into Miami with a bunch of Vicodins fucked up on hydrocoding going down there. So that time, I thought it was normal to, to have a few beers and take a couple pills and go down there because I wasn't passing out. I was just normal with it. I wasn't doing anything wild. So that was the culture back then. They prescribed a bunch of pills, left me home, and gave me a bunch of money. And then during football, you were able to sell your tickets if you didn't want to go to the Super Bowl. So you got two tickets to go. So you can make anywhere between like four to eight grand, depending on who was playing. And the next year, it was Indianapolis versus I think it was Indianapolis for Chicago, was it that year? I think it was, yeah. yeah, so it was the second year in Miami. And Miami that year was fun. This Super Bowl, these stories are some of the most legendary stories that I've ever experienced. And I was like, all right, here we go again. Always me and Stu have gone on a lot of adventures. Me and Stuart Schwager, one of my closest friends, have had... We, we played in the All-Star together, excuse me, played in the All-Star game together from Michigan. Uh, he was he won the 100-meter dash. And we just kind of have gone through this journey. So we've gone through a lot of the positive things, gone through a lot of the negative things. And on the second half of the podcast, I will talk about the success in starting over. But right now, I'm just living in the past. So you got to really embrace these kind of moments because I don't usually just relive and talk about them in this much great depth. But it's Super Bowl Sunday. So who you taking? You taking Tom Brady? You taking uh, you know, Pat Mahomes? We wait. Don't tell me. We're talking about Super Bowl stories that actually really help happen. So now the night before the Super Bowl, Stu and I are at EXO. We're having a good old time eating. I'm showing him the city, showing him Cleveland. I'm walking with a broke foot, and I have a mohawk at that time because I got my hair shaved. I got a mohawk. I'm rocking with a mohawk with a broke foot. So I'm like Mr. T meets. You know, me, and I'm just hanging out having, and I'm running the city at that time. I was starting, I was making some pretty good money, and we were having fun, and I broke my foot. And it was like the off season, it was Cleveland. There's nothing else to do but, you know, be in the, and we were in the, I lived in the flats. So we were pre-partying before we left. And me and Stu's idea was like, instead of getting like a really nice hotel, let's get a shitty hotel that's really close to the nice hotel so we can save money. Cause we're from Michigan. You understand what that means? We're from the crib. So me and Stu always try and find a hustle. Nothing like too slick, but we didn't really want to, it wasn't even the money thing. We was just like, man, we like we kind of liked that someone. Or Stu thought it was a funny idea at those times. So we got a really shitty hotel right in the downtown of Miami. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this. So every single day we were just moving around, going back and forth, hanging out, having an amazing time. And all of us were down there that year. It was me, Stu, and we all kind of met up. So Aiken was playing at the time, Nico was playing at the time, Sean was playing at the time. And at that time, we were still the younger brothers. So me and Stu are, and Nico are, are always the younger brothers and Sean to Aiken because he was like our elder. And that's no disrespect. That's one of the most respectful things you can say to somebody who's calling him an elder in the indigenous community. And in the black community, he's like our uncle or our big brother. 
So he was there and Aiken was playing for Jacksonville at the time. So he was like an hour away. So he was just plugged up. So we were just driving around, running the city. And that that time, all those people were kind of showing us around. And I was cool with Kid Rock because we, we were always hanging out when I was playing for Detroit and Chris Chelios. So we I knew all these guys. And Stu was starting, so he I forget who his agent was, and his agent also represented like celebrities. So we were like, yo, this is gonna pop off. And we had we never planned anything. We would go down there with an idea to hang out, go out and just go on adventures. So all these things are all spontaneous. So that's kind of the fun part of these stories. None of this is planned. None of this was supposed to happen that way. It just became like a chain of events, and one event took care of the next event, and it was just wild shit, to be honest with you. It's wild. So when you talk about being wild, you're like, all right, the first party was like, hey, Stu was like, my agent got me into this party and it's like a celebrity agency party. I'm like, all right, cool. So we're hanging out at our hotel, like, like, and we go to everybody else's hotels because their hotels are obviously way better than our shitty hotel, but we're just having fun walking the strip and I'm not moving too fast. I got a broke foot, by the way. I have a broke foot and a mohawk and like one crutch. So, you know, it is what it was. And then, that night we go into this big ass party. So the first room we go into, it's a party and we hanging out. And then I walk up to this guy and I think it's Aaron Rodgers, but it's not Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, man, when is, you, when is Brett Favre going to retire and let you play? And he looks at me and I look at him. I'm like, oh shit, that's not Aaron Rodgers. That's that other guy, Alex Smith. He's the other guy. And he wasn't really good. I was like, fuck it, I don't even know who you are. And just walked off on him. So Alex Smith, I apologize for being rude back then. I, I, I apologize. You, you a tough motherfucker, man. What, what happened with your leg and how you came back over that shit, man? Psh, wow. You know somebody really loves football when they break their leg that fucking bad and then they come back to come back to play for Washington. I'm like, shit. So big shouts out to Alex Smith and I'm sorry for being an asshole. And Aaron Rodgers, he's a beast. So that was like the beginning of the night. So I was like, man, I'm a little bit intoxicated, obviously. And I have to take these pain pills. So I don't really necessarily remember all this. So some of these things, you know, are blurry, but I'm telling you this. All Americans, it's with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament. <laughs> this is true, though. So now we're there and then there's Simeon Rice and Simeon was my guy because Simeon was is from Phoenix and he was like my older brother. So he's a little bit older than Aiken um, and these the D linemen always had my back like the league always kind of looked out for me. They're like, I'm the little brother because I've told you about my previous story. So the football family in the NFL, especially like the black men and everybody kind of took care of me. They just looked after me as like a. I'm like the Peter Pan of the NFL. There's like, oh, that's KB. Take care of him. He's cool. He had a, a fucked up ass child. He's a cool dude. Just look out for him. So thank you to all the older brothers, Damian Woody's, Dominic Rayola's, Aiken, Sean's, all the guys that kind of had my back, the, the, the Tuckers, Ryan and Rex, those guys are, them Tuckers are fucking crazy, by the way. But thank you for having my back. So to the Tuckers, because Ryan and Rex, they kind of took care of me. And just a big shout out to the league and the, and the guys that are vets trying to get their disability because we didn't know it was going to be this hard after football, but fuck, man, you guys took great care of me while I was playing, so I really wanted to say thank you, to be honest with you. So this is a, a, a podcast of telling stories and living the glory days of the guys that were really cool and took care of me. 
So we're back still at the at the party here in uh, Miami with all the celebrities. So there's like two big ass fucking rooms. So I've already insulted Alex Smith, um, and then I bumped into Simeon Rice, and it's me and Stu, and we're just doing our thing. And when me and Stu are together, it's kind of like just like. Starsky and Hutch. We just kind of go on our own little stupid fucking adventures, but they're f hilarious. They're fun, harmless, dumbass adventures. So we go into this other room and I hear this like, yo, KB, what up? I'm like, oh shit, it's pop. And I look at Stu, he look at me. There he is, my man, the man, the legend, Kid Rock. Big shout out to Rock. So he's sitting there on this couch and on the couch, there's Fergie, there's Scarlett Johansson, there's... Ashley Simpson's dad, which was weird. Then there's Brady Quinn and like the number one overall pick, the, 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 the big time um, defensive end for Houston at the time. I forget his, I'm drawing a blank, but he was a cool ass dude. So I go over there, I'm like, what's up, Rock? What's up, KB? What's going on? Whoopty bam, we talking. Stu sees Scarlett Johansson. I see Scarlett Johansson. He's like, man, KB, if I can meet anybody in the world, it'd be Scarlett Johansson. I'm like, okay. The year before it was, you know, Jessica Alba and Corey. This year it's Stuart, Stuart Schwager and Scarlett Johansson. So we sitting there drinking, having a good time, and I go back into my PR role. So I'm like, yo, here we go again. Walk over. It's her, there's Fergie, and then there's her like her agent or whatever. I'm like, hey, my name is KB. I play for the Detroit Lions. That's my homeboy over there. He's still, he's like, he starts for the Raiders. Yeah, you know, with the big beard and stuff. He's like, he's just a huge fan of Scarlett Johansson's. Do you mind if she can come over and say hi? Like, he, I don't know how you do this. And she was like, I'll let Scarlett know. And, you know, you just let me know. And I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So we go back over. We're drinking. And, like, Jessica Simpson's dad is, he's there. I, but Jessica Simpson and Ashley Simpson are not there. But the dad is out there. So as a dad, I'm like, ah, I don't necessarily need to be going to these parties when I got a daughter. So I'm like, nah, I ain't, you know, but shit, it is what it was. So he was cool. And then me and Brady Quinn, Brady Quinn, big shout out to him. He was, he was, it was his going into his, his, his draft year. Because what happens is the Super Bowl, they bring down all the top prospects. The agents show them off. They kind of be able to watch the game. It's a really fun experience. And it's pretty much paid by the NFL or the agencies. And you get to go to all these fun ass fucking parties. So now we're back in Miami hanging out. So a couple minutes later, here we go. Scarlett Johansson starts walking over and you're like oh boy then all of a sudden it's just like so Scarlett Johansson walks over the, the party stops it, at least it seems like it and there's like this white light it's a glow and you're like and then Scarlett walks up to Stu and at the time she's like hey my name is Scarlett Johansson and then Stu's like Smooth stew, as we used to call him back in the day. Smooth stew. <laughs> Stu would present himself as like he was this big time suave guy. Stu's just a nice, likable guy that just likes to have fun. And Stu, God bless his soul. That's my best friend. He's married, has four amazing kids, stutters. He's like, my name is Stu. And She's like, gives him like, like, a, like a flick on his, his gold tee. It's like, hey, what's going on? And she's cool. And he like re rebounds. He's like, hey, I play for this. And shit, that was the kind of end of it. And then we leave. And this is the part of the story I don't tell nobody. I've told nobody this part of the story for so long because I felt bad. So now Stu goes back to the hotel and passes out. And then 
Kid Rock's like, yo, KB, you wanna come back to the crib? I'm like, shit, fuck it, let's roll. So I go back to his house or like the hotel and like he has this penthouse suite and we go all the way to the top floor. Top floor, pool outside and we just chilling. It's him and then Scarlett Johansson's over there and there's Bernie Kozar. Bernie Kozar is what's the version of today's Baker Mayfield. But Bernie Kozar is like what Johnny Manziel might become which is a scary sight because Bernie Kozar was wearing like some of the most broke down, beat up uh, Nikes that like the side of the shoe like you see, you can see the sock with some grungy ass like camel shirts and like a shirt that he just pulled out of some dirty clothes. He's like, what's going on? I'm, I'm Bernie Kozar. And I'm gonna leave that part of the story as just, that's what he said. And I saw Bernie Kozar. I was like, dog, that's Bernie Kozar. That is wild. And then I saw Bernie Kozar like later, like doing commentating. I was like, okay, Bernie Kozar is, he's a real one, man. And Cleveland loves Bernie Kozar because he gives her. So whatever you think about Johnny Manziel, Bernie Kozar, that dude was fun to hang out with. He was, he is a wild ass dude. You know, Bernie Kozar is cool. So I talked to Bernie for like 15, 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden there goes Scarlett Johansson over there. And I'm like, man, what should I do here? Should I go try and holler at Scarlett Johansson? I mean, this dude, shit, he's, he, he's, got, he's married with Chrissy at the time. He went home. It's me and a chance to holler at Scarlett Johansson. So I sat there, I was like, Scarlett, and she was fine. Scarlett Johansson is fine. Like, it's her swag was cool, and that everything that you see on TV, like in real life, just put that shit on real, because her swag is just too cool. And that was back then. Same with Jessica Alba. Those two swags was like, yo, dog, they just, they're real about it. And I was like, man, I can't do it. I couldn't bring myself to be able to, like, try and holler at my boys, like, dream girl that he kind of stuttered with, but he he, he rebounded. So I ain't say shit. So that was the end of the story. I was like, man, I should have brought Stu, but I left him behind. So I felt bad that Stu went and passed out and went home. And then I got to go party with her. And I think the fun, the irony of all of this is we missed our flight to get back. He was pissed the next day because we stayed out too late and we missed our flights. The reason why I laugh about a lot of these things is because this is what we were doing. We were 21, 22, 23-year-old kids, had a lot of money experiencing sports and trying to do the best we could. We're both from Michigan. So when I look at Tom Brady and I look at Pat Mahomes, I see what they are able to do on the field, but I'm very impressed how they've been able to conduct themselves off the field. Big shout out to the character and that leadership. You know, And leadership is what happens in the organizations off the field. I don't say I was a great leader, but I was a leader. I've been led by great men, the Aiken Adels of the world, the Drew Breeses, um, the Damian Woodies in the football community, the Malcolm Blacks of the world, the Romeo Cornells. Big shout out to those men. It's Black History Month. Um, and there's also been a lot of men that are not black, but have been very historic during this culture. So a lot of shout out to the coaches that have been very motivating and being able to help during this process. So as I tell these stories, I want to say that that environment of sports, the Super Bowl, that family, it really is a family because it's been very challenging to be able to fight for my NFL disabilities 15 years later at 38 years old. I'm no longer playing in the NFL. And I'm nowhere near what Tom Brady was or what Patrick Mahomes is or any of the guys that I kind of spoke of in a lot of these stories. But at the same time, I'm still part of that family and they took great care of me. 
And I got beat up pretty bad in the league, mentally and physically, you know, from when I talked about what happened with Mike Martz and what happened with Coach Marshall and the ability to see a black man that had a lot of talent that just needed a little bit of help. And instead of giving me a little bit of help, they gave me a lot of racism and a lot of bigotry and they kicked me out of the league. And anything that I say is true because honestly, And my name is, you already know what it is. Kelly got a stack. Kelly got a house, big house on the hill. Kelly so blessed, big plus XL. Kelly ain't, Kelly ain't got no chill. Kelly don't really give a fuck on you. I really don't give a, you know, how I feel about people because with not having that career in football, I still was able to have a phenomenal career after football. But during football and before football, I had some pre-existing conditions of how I perceive myself. And I'm going to go into that as I talk about the success in, you know, starting over. I'm really excited to talk about that, but I got one last story because I went to three Super Bowls. But before I get into that, you got to feel this one here. Come on. From the ground up, from the people, turn the sound up, like we mean it. Rise up, oh, rise up, rise up, oh, rise up, rise up. We're going into the third quarter. This is a third story. Hopefully, you're enjoying these stories because I usually don't tell these many stories back to back to back. So first quarter story was Jessica Alba. Second quarter story, boom, 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 shake. We was in Miami. And that was fun. Miami was a lot of fun. Third quarter, the comeback of KB, the Tom Brady, you know, the black butler, the black Brady, <laughs> the BB, um, you know, black and blue. You got to think about it. I'm the black version of Tom Brady. I was a six round draft pick and what he's done off on the field. I feel that our team and the team that people that have necessarily not had the success on the field, we've done some historic Patriot stuff. New England-like off the field. I'm talking about our, my Purdue Boilermakers. Um, and, you know, a lot of the players that I played with, with the Bombers. And a lot of the guys that I played with, with, the, with uh, the, the Oklahoma City Yard Dogs. And a lot of people I played with at Union. And also at Sex. And a lot of guys that didn't make it to that level of Tom Brady. But psh, these guys can go. These guys can really play. So the last story, the fun one, was last year. And this is the one that you really got to trust this. This so the last story was this last year when I decided to talk to my life coach. And I'm talking about here in Winnipeg, I have life coaches that I call sisters. And I call brothers, Glenn Damon, former president of the Delari Group, big shout out to him. He was my life coach for like two years, maybe three. He's still my life coach. So Glenn, big shout out to my brother from another mother. We always have a running joke. He's from a trailer park from somewhere in Winnipeg or outside. And I'm from Detroit. He always thinks I'm from Detroit. So anybody from Canada thinks I'm from Detroit, which I'm really from Lansing. Then I transitioned into Grand Rapids. So I'm from like... Grand Lansing. Uh, if you call, if you ask me from where I'm from, I'm from Grand Lansing. So that's my 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 house. My hometown was called Grand Lansing or Lansing Grand, however you want to put it. So we had a little bit of a, a funny back and forth of 
how is somebody that grew up in Grand Rapids and somebody that grew up in Winnipeg, brothers, and he was my mentor, my life coach, and he still is, so thank you for that mentor. But back to the story of you know going down to Miami and talking about my life coaches. So Glenn Damon was my male life coach, and then uh, <laughs> I'm laughing, Mano um, from Joey, she was the general manager, um, and she's done an amazing job. Big shout out to Mano. The reason why I would go to the local eatery, uh, Joey, so much is because I would go there, see Mano, and talk to Mano for like 15 minutes. And I've known Mano for 10 years. She's married to Stephen Moat. Big shout out to Big Mo, big friend of mine. I can tell that story about when we hung out with the sheepdog, but I don't want to go there right now. But this is about your wife and, and tell Hux. I said, what's going on? Hux is like my godson or my little nephew, so big shout out to Hux. But this is talking about my life coaches and my female life coaches before I went down to the Super Bowl in Miami. I was humming and hawing, should I go to the Super Bowl? And I was like, no. And she always gave me advice, like life coaching from a female perspective, because she has done amazing things in the business world, motivating, mentoring females and men. And then she's transitioned to Banville and Jones and big shout out to her and Banville and Jones and what that organization and institution can do. So I'm excited to see what Mano does with her new opportunity. But we're talking about when she was at Joey's life coaching me last year before she transitioned to Banville and Jones. So we would, I would come to Joey's before COVID daily, I would think, pretty much. And I would talk to Mano and that whole staff and that Joey's environment. I miss you guys. I love you guys and hope, you know, those young, inspiring people, those women, that environment, that culture is still doing well during these challenging times. But speaking of that and speaking of Mano, I'm going to stay here. The thing about Mano was she always took the time to coach me through it. So I'm talking about, hey, Mano, there's this life after football program with the um, with in, in Miami. I'm thinking about going to it, and she's like, I'm like, I don't know if I should go. And then there's the BET Awards. I'm like, ah, Mano. I really want to push this for a sister's company. I think this is to do it. I have some money, um, some professional development. Should I do it? And she was just like. And Mano, she's got to laugh. And I like to get people's reaction. So when I give Mano laugh and get people going, then it's just fun. And we're just kind of going back and forth. And she gives me advice. She's like, I'm like, man, I'm going to pay you whatever I need to pay you. And she's like, don't even worry about it. And here's what Mano did. I blame you for this, Mano. I'm going to show my feed of what happened when I was at Miami last year and show you from the beginning to the end of the feed this I, I asked Mano if I could, I said, guess what? I think I can bump into anybody. If I can meet anybody, who do you think I can bump into? She was like, I bet you lunch. She knew I love Jay-Z and I still am a huge Jay-Z fan. Always will be. And she's like bumping to Jay-Z. So the, the running joke was, can I bump into Jay-Z? So I'm going to save all of the stories and the timelines of all the people and the places I went through Miami. But I had a chance to go on a run and catch back up with a lot of people and then I had to start over. I had to start over. That run last year, as far as the buildup to getting ready to buy a building, to being able to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, to being able to going down to the Super Bowl and talking to so many people, and then following it up, being able to go to the NAACP Awards right before COVID hit. We were, I was, oh man, the foundation playing for a purpose, the Four Sisters Clothing Company, uh, the push with KB, all those things were ready to happen last year. I was like, we're ready. 
getting ready to buy a building. And then all of a sudden, I got to go back to school because it didn't go the way it was planned. Tom Brady, I thought, was going to ride on to the sunset with the New England Patriots. I thought it was just, he was like, man, he's going to stay there and be done. But he didn't go back like it was supposed to. He had to go back to school and start all over. And when we talk about going back to school, you have to go to a new team to start back over. You got to go back to teaching and recreating a new identity. You got to start over. And I was like, man, Tom Brady started over with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, brought a team back from what it was to what it is now. And people were coming out of retirement. People are jumping on the bandwagon. He's having to knock off Aaron Rodgers and do these historic things off the field. And I was like, man, what did he do, man? He stayed one more year in college. He didn't skip a step. He made every read. He read every detail. And the thing that people don't realize about Tom Brady is that for three years, Drew Henson was the guy. Drew Henson was special. White quarterback, played baseball, played football, starting quarterback, played shortstop, got drafted by the Yankees, um, had to uh, turn down to give up $10 million. So he, gave, he got paid $10 million, skipped his senior years. Dun, 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 dun. Here we go. You already know who it is. Tom Brady. He didn't have a lot of time to make people understand who Tom Brady was. He had his senior year to go perform, to get drafted. So how many people know sports that have to go into school and saying, well, he's had his senior year. So he had to sit back and watch other people that were better than him and he had to wait, especially in college. He had to watch Michigan during college and he didn't get to start. We don't know. I don't know that story of Tom Brady. I don't know what it was like for him to come. I think he's from California to come to Michigan and not start. Be a very you know highly sought out player and to sit and be not seen and not heard from. Nobody knew who Tom Brady was, but in high school they did. And then he had to sit behind Drew Henson. Then he actually started and then he finished and got drafted in the sixth round. And nobody really thought anything of Tom Brady. And at the time, I thought I was doing the right thing, skipping school, because I was scared. I was like, that's why I didn't go to Michigan, because I didn't think I was smart enough to stay in school. So I look at that and saying, well, now I'm a dad. I got nothing to prove. It's not about me anymore. It's about inspiring others to step up for themselves. And in stepping up for yourself, you got to step outside of the box. And you got to look at people that do legendary things. And at this time during Black History Month, we can talk about some of the amazing black men that have done legendary things in the past. Malcolm, Martin, those people that have done amazing things, those pioneers, Barack, Big, Tupac. And we can really focus on the color but we can't talk to the person because they're no longer here. But I can still look at a person and be educated by his struggle, by his resilience, by his, you know. You know what it is. That's why people mess with Tom Brady. They just know regardless what color is, he has that in him. Black, white, Italian, Jewish, straight, gay, tall, short. When he has that in him or you have that in you, you can respect that. So going back to school, you respect that because I'm going back as a dad. 
So today I'm going to talk about one, two, three, four points. Success in starting over. That might help you take a few steps to start over right now and be successful and not get caught up in the age. Just look at Tom Brady. The second thing is sports. Think about people in sports and legacy then and now. And that's one of the things that I had a real problem with in starting over in success is me going back to Purdue and of working with athletes here. Now I'm saying athletes now, you're setting yourself up for... <sighs> Let me just stop for a sec. To all the athletes that I've worked with that have struggled with school and found a way to get through it, man, kudos. Especially to the Canadian athletes that go to the University of Manitoba. That was hard to see people that are playing a sport that I played once and having to do so much and get so little in return as far as financial compensation. I was like, that didn't seem fair. So that's why the foundation was setting up opportunities to work and opportunities to sponsor college athletes during these challenging times. But at the same time, the athletes that we were trying to sponsor because of my shortcomings and skipping a step and making the mistakes that these athletes are making right now, I feel like Marty McFly having to go back to the future in which I'm comfortable with. But the athletes that aren't comfortable with coming back to school, good luck. See, when you're 38 years old, I'll be 52, but I will have a master's. I will have my education. I'll have a bunch of businesses and my daughter. But in a few years from now, I will have more education. I'll be in a much better position to take care of my daughter. And I won't look back and say, man, I shouldn't have gone. It was me. It's not about me anymore. I know I have to do certain things because it's about us. I was going to say inspiring, you know, because I'm from Grand Lansing. So inspiring, not just myself, but us. And when I talk about that, look at Michael Vick. Yeah, I'm going there today on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going there with Michael Vick right now because Michael Vick is what Tom Brady is to some people. Michael Vick is legendary. Legendary. What's tomorrow's date, boys and girls? The seventh, that seven, that Michael Vick, Quick Vick, Atlanta Falcons, that's the dirty bird. He was out there, uh, the Ravens, a hawk, put him in any kind of bird. He was out there doing things and put... The joystick, my guy, Michael Vick was everything. Then he wasn't. Why wasn't he everything? Did he lose his talent? Nah. Did he do something wrong? He did something. Ain't about that right now. But was Michael Vick like Jamal Anderson, a piece of shit? No, Jamal Anderson is a piece of shit. Michael Vick stuck up for his family. He took it on the chin. Stand up. Stand up, Michael Vick, man. Had to come back from some Tom Brady shit, dog. Do you think Tom Brady, and I think that's the irony of all of this. Stay with me here, people. Tom Brady was able to come back and kick the shit out of Atlanta. That's why I love that. Had to come back from, what, 24 behind for his mother. That was the first game she got to see. I love that for his mother. Uh, that. Let me let me let me get that for T for his mom. Tom Brady's a special motherfucker. He's he's a bad motherfucker, and he's on that spiritual shit too. He on a whole nother level. 
Because he played that game, being down from behind, because that was the first game his mother got to see, and he whooped them motherfucking dirty birds' ass. And I look at that institution, how shitty they treated Michael Vick. But there's another person that took real good care of him, you know, a different bird, the eagle, Andy Reid. Andy Reid signed Michael Vick, had a long conversation with him, allowed him to come back to play for the Eagles organization, gave him a $110 million contract, let him get back on his feet. I bumped into Michael Vick also last year. Had an in-depth conversation. Vick is the coolest dude in the world. Because I saw Vic the first time when I was in Miami in a hotel, going up a hotel. And Vic Little. And at that time, Vic was Vic. I was like, yo, what up, Vic? He's like, what up, dude? And I was like seeing like Allen Iverson. He probably doesn't even remember it. I saw Vic going up a hotel room, like going up the elevator, going to like this party. I was like, yo, dude, that's Vic. And I played against Vic when I played for Detroit. Stu played against Vic. He was like, yo, KB, I had Stu in the open. I had Vic in the open field. He had me in the open field. I had squared him down. I was like, I don't even know what he's going to do. And Vic in the open field, to any defender, Vic in the open field in the second level, and you're the free safety, what do you do to stop Vic? So what he did was he kind of stopped, and he, he let Vic, and then Vic slipped, and then Stu tackled him. So he just kind of was patient because Vic has made people look stupid. I think that was the game we played against them for uh, the suit. I mean, it was Thanksgiving game. Thanksgiving game for the Lions was our Super Bowl. We knew we weren't going to the, the playoffs. So the Lions Thanksgiving game is our Super Bowl. We all know that. So when we look at sports and we look at legacy and we look at starting over, we don't talk about what happened off the field. Yeah, that's some of the things that really impacts us on the field. African-Americans, white, black. We're talking about NFL Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. When I talked about Ryan and Rex Tucker, the reason why I was starting because they were having mental health issues. But then when I started and started going through my own health issues, I was released, cut. He's biased, to be honest with you. And then I look at myself and saying, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps also went to Michigan. He's making history. Michael Phelps, what he did in the swimming world, and everybody saw legendary greatness. Whatever is going on at Michigan, that institution, it's special. They do amazing things. But there's an institution that does pretty well, and that's Purdue. When I was looking at famous people, obviously the first famous person they do is Purdue's, you know, one and only Drew Brees. I respect Drew. I play with Drew. Solid guy. Stand-up leader. Play with Aiken. Stand-up guy. But then we're not talking about sports. Now we got to look at the other side because I'm going back to school to further my education. Purdue has more astronauts than I've ever seen at that time. Like I could think it was like 72 astronauts. I was looking at famous people, astronaut, 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 astronaut. And the crazy thing about Purdue is, I'm going to get out of here in like 55 minutes. I'm going to go for about three more minutes. Is engineering, I didn't even know what engineering meant until like a few days ago. It's just somebody that likes to have ideas and create stuff. So why don't you just call it a creator? You're like, oh man, that's what engineering is? Oh, wow. Now that at 38, I'm not afraid to ask those questions. I'm not afraid to be like, hey, I'm not afraid to fail. Hey, oh man, can I go back to business school and learn like, hey, I, I run a couple companies. Can I see where I'm at? And this is a special moment and I got two minute drill. So I'm gonna hit you with a quick two minute drill. When I started talking about going back to school and 
we're steps closer. I'm, I'm, I'm back in school because the NFL, and thank you to the NFL for uh, the trust in the program that they offer $20,000 to pay for books and, and tuition, not books, excuse me, for tuition. Um, and you have to pay for room and board and books, but $20,000 to go back to school, I'm taking advantage of that opportunity. So I'm getting back enrolled in my summer sessions and going from there. But in doing that, I started speaking to people back at Purdue. And this is a special moment, and I've cried enough in the Super Bowl Sunday. So you might see me cry, shed a tear when Tom Brady wins. Um, but I shed a tear because when I was speaking to people, and they were like, Kelly, it was a misread. Because when people saw me, they saw, oh, fun-loving, fun guy. Everybody was like, all right, cool. But at that time, I was drinking a lot because I was scared. And I was, I was in college. My mom had life insurance. So I was driving around in a black Escalade. So the rumor on school was Purdue had given me this Escalade. Purdue gave me nothing besides solid education, solid mentoring, and structure, and solid people. The Escalade I was able to buy because when my mother passed away at 18, I went to, uh, to, to Arizona with Marcus Matthews, and he was able to find a car for me. And I was 18, 19 years old, driving a brand new car at Purdue. But what stands out about that is because I'm black and having a car, that's different. Maybe I put rims on it in a system. I mean, I might have taken it a little bit farther than I should have. Okay, that's on me. But there was a lot of athletes that came into Purdue. They got new cars also. There was a lot of students that drove very nice cars that were in the fraternities that were white. So let's not step out of bounds here and say it's not ideal to see somebody that's 18, 19 years old driving a brand new car at Purdue. That seems to be, you know, one of those things. So you have to look back and saying, starting over. What can you do to start over? And how can you look at where you were and what you are now? Michael Phelps, he's finished. He was able to do amazing things in the sporting world. Tom Brady has done amazing things in the sporting world. And he's done amazing things in the business world because he finished his degree. So I'm looking at being able to engineer and finish my degree and see those things that I can do to help other athletes, other people, other people be inspired making history and being a coach for women's basketball, assistant women's basketball coach. I'm going to be the assistant women's basketball coach for Purdue eventually. I'm just going to work myself into it because guess what? I got about 10 seconds left. There's a man by the name of Gene Cady that played football. And I think he was pretty good. But we're talking about, you know, are we talking about football or basketball or sports or the success in starting over? It's not about me. It's about us. If you don't start, you don't know. So, hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I want to get out of here, but I want to say, hey, guys, enjoy the game. Look at what it looks like on multiple levels. Whatever is happening, you're going to see the best play the best. Because last year, Patrick Mahomes, I saw him just do work and win. A lot of respect for Andy Reid and that organization. Tom Brady, you're seeing something that's legendary and he's living. It's a living legend right now. To all the legends that have passed away, big shout out to them and their families and, and, and to my mother and my father during black history, to all the black coaches that have done amazing things, Romeo Cornell, Sparky McEwen, thank you for being inspiring, Emmanuel, Coach Eman, Coach Sumlin, I'm looking at inspiring black coaches, Coach Malcolm Black, I'm looking at a lot of black men during my football career that have done Coach Philip Morrow. I want to say thank you because you guys were my, my family. Basketball, Coach Kilgore. And that's about all the basketball. Oh, yeah, and Coach, uh, Coach Chris Greer. 
I'm not going to go into a shout out podcast, but I do have to acknowledge my elders and say thank you. And then last but not least to my big brother, Big Damian Woody. Thank you for inspiring me to keep moving forward, not only as a father, but as a man. And to the men that are listening to this and the women, keep supporting us. Let's support each other. Let's look to the future. And big shout out to the female coaches that are doing things that I've never seen before. So I'm going to be excited to come back to Purdue and start collecting some of my former teammates' jerseys. Not males, teammates, females. All those Purdue alumni that are doing amazing things, you know, in the women's sports. So Lindsey Hicks, I'm like, you're my new favorite player. You know, Sharika Wright, um, Katie Douglas, who else? There's Kelly Kamara. There's a few people out there that are doing some big things. So big shout out to them. I'm going to be very excited to, to, to reconnect with you guys. So this is a, a fun-filled podcast of sporting. So I told a few stories um, with Jessica Elba. Talked about um, Cleveland stories with Kid Rock. Talked about some Miami stories. And I talked about the success in starting over. It's all about a mindset. It's all about taking one step at a time. I'm going to step out of here because I was a few seconds or minutes over. Um, and it's never about time. If you're enjoying this, we can stay for a little bit longer, but it's starting to get hot. And you guys probably want to start seeing this game. So enjoy this moment. Good luck to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for everybody that's tuning in here, I'm pushing out of here and I'm going to leave you with this. From the ground up, from the people, turn the sound up, And speaking of feeling, I got a feeling that you need to check out the website, www.foursistersclothing.com. If you haven't had a chance to check out our clothing, this family first brand, during these challenging times, we got to support each other. It's Black History Month. Let's go out there and support ours as we supported yours. Let's come together on this Super Bowl Sunday. Family first. And remember, www.foursistersclothing. Check us out.